We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Pack a Day Podcast. I'm your host Andy Herman. You can follow me on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. Thanks so much for being here. We are going to be going over Michael Mayer in just a moment, another one of the top tight end prospects in this draft at a position of need for Green Bay. Before we get there, we had a couple notes from Tuesday, the first of which is that Dallin Levitt is back in Green Bay. He signs on a one-year deal, another Rich Passaccia special. Special teams has clearly been the flavor of the day for the Packers this offense, and Dallin Levitt is certainly no exception to that. Somebody who has played his entire career as a special teamer in Rich Passaccia's special team system. This is an interesting signing because that safety room is now getting pretty crowded with players who could theoretically make a 53-man roster. You've got Tavarius Moore, who they picked up. You've got Darnell Savage, Rudy Ford, Enos Gaines, Tariq Carpenter, and Dallin Levitt. And I think the interesting thing there is all six of those safeties spent time on 53-man rosters last year, five of them in Green Bay, Tervarius Moore, uh, obviously in San Francisco. Now, clearly Green Bay had five of those plus Adrian Amos a season ago, now at different points and injuries played a part and so on and so forth, but that starts to get a little bit crowded. And the other thing is that Tavarius Moore, Rudy Ford, Ennis Gaines, Tariq Carpenter, and Dallin Levitt all 
considered core special teams players. In fact, they're more special teamers than they are defenders at this stage of their careers. So that is going to be a very fierce competition for the, you know, basically those maybe third, fourth, fifth, sixth safety spots. And one of them, Rudy Ford, Tavarius Moore, maybe, maybe even an Ennis Gaines could certainly end up starting alongside Darnell Savage. That's well within the realm of possibility. But you also have to consider they almost assuredly will draft one, maybe even two safeties in this draft. We are looking at a potential real fight for safety spots, which is a good thing. And to be abundantly clear, none of them are high-end safety players, not even Darnell Savage, unfortunately, who has more struggled than played well over the course of his last four seasons. So it's not like they should shy away from safety because they've got six on the roster. No, quite the opposite. They need to continue to add talent to that room, but it does go to show you how you know how difficult and how challenging it's going to be for one of those final spots because you've got a ton of competition and special teams is not going to exactly be a tiebreaker because almost all of them, save for Darnell Savage, play special teams and Savage even will in some instances as well. So that is going to be a very fun battle in training camp. Now, the other thing I'll note there is of all of those players, Dallin Levitt to me is by far and away the worst defender. And he, but he brings a lot as a special teams player. So much so that I would almost remove him from the safety conversation and just put Dallin Levitt special teams, meaning that if he makes the team, he is in the same category as your kicker, your punter, and your long snapper. Like if you're like if you give Rich Basaccia just an opportunity just to keep one guy as just a core special teamer outside of kicker, punter, long snapper, like that might be Dallin Levitt because there's really no plans to play him at safety. With all the guys that they rotated in at safety a season ago, Dallin Levitt was never one of those guys. And just the he's very limited from a true safety standpoint. So expect him to have a real chance to make the roster as a core special teamer and maybe even as your like quote unquote number six emergency safety, but or number five emergency safety. But uh, I still don't think that you necessarily want to put him exactly in that safety room. He's just a little bit different, even though he will have the S next to his name on the actual official roster and depth chart. Meanwhile, the other note is that former long snapper, Rob Davis, was added back to the Packers, I guess, coaching staff slash front office slash, I don't know exactly, probably not coaching staff, but um, you know, probably somewhere in their administration purview. He is now the Director of Organizational Development and Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion. So you love to see that. You love to see that Green Bay continues to push those initiatives, and I cannot think of a better person to do so than Rob Davis, who, of course, had an administrative role with the Packers in the past was recently with the Dallas Cowboys. So love that for Green Bay and think he has a lot to bring to the table uh, in that specific role. So those are the two key news and notes from Tuesday. No Aaron Rodgers news as of yet, but of course, we'll be the first to have it for you and discuss everything and break everything down once that does happen. Uh, But in the meantime, no news is, I guess, the status quo. And uh, like I said, we'll get there when we get there. In the meantime, let's go over Michael Mayer, who is a very fun prospect and one that I expect Green Bay certainly to take more than a cursory glance at as they look at their potential prospects early in this draft. Where Mayer goes is going to be interesting. He is valued by most as a first round pick in this draft. He brings a lot of upside. He brings some things that you want to be concerned about, just like every other prospect. But let's go over some of the basics. And then as usual, we'll get into our full scouting report. So Mayer is a 6'4", 
249, tight end out of the University of Notre Dame. He was a junior this past season. He is 21 years old. He will turn 22 in July. So he's basically fitting, like all of these players are seemingly 21 turning 22 in July, August, or September. The vast majority of our prospects that we've gone over so far have been in that range. This is the first one that we're really talking about that did not have this crazy RAS or relative athletic score. He was a 7.62 RAS, which still puts him, by the way, as a 76th percentile athlete at the position at tight end. So I know that like when you're looking at it and we've just become accustomed to Green Bay taking like nine point somethings or better and, you know, for better or worse, but like, let's just put into perspective, he's still in the 76th percentile of athletes in the history of the tight end position since they've been tracking this data. So he is still a higher end athlete, just not as much as some of the other players as we've already discussed. And I'm sure we'll discuss as first round prospects. Um, he did not do the bench press, but other than that, here were his percentages where he tested out at um, with his combine numbers. 65th percentile in height, 47th percentile in weight, 56th percentile in the vert, 76th percentile in the broad jump, 80th percentile in the 40-yard dash with a 4740 flat, 50th percentile in the short shuttle, and 50th percentile in the three cone. So as you notice here, there's not one thing that he's really elite at. His best testing trait was his 80th percentile 40-yard dash with a 4740, which is good, but you know we've seen now some really freak numbers at this position, wasn't it? Uh, Vernon Davis tested in like the four threes at the position. So it's a good score and still very fast considering all the scores that have been in there for tight ends since the data has been tracked. But uh, overall, there's not anything that he's testing in the 90th percentile of. At the same token, there's nothing that he's really testing poorly in. His lowest score was in the 47th percentile for weight. So while he's not elite at any one thing, he's also not bad. And he's at least a average level athlete at the position at just about everything and mostly above average in almost everything. So we're going to talk about more on that in a moment, but that kind of gives you the general idea almost in a nutshell of what Michael Mayer is at tight end. As far as statistically, I think one of the things that you really have to like about Mayer is that he has three years of production at Notre Dame, a school that has had some legitimate success at the tight end position in the NFL in the past. They usually know how to scout and develop these players. In 2020, he had 42 catches, 450 yards, and two touchdowns as a true freshman. In 2021, 71 catches, 840 yards, and seven touchdowns. And then in 2022, 67 catches, 809 yards, and nine touchdowns. So statistically, we are seeing consistency over his three years. We did see a jump from freshman to sophomore, and then more consistent from sophomore to junior, but we saw consistent production from him. And we saw touchdowns go from two to seven to nine. You know, yards as a freshman go from 450 to over 800 the past couple seasons, 42 catches as a freshman to 71 and 67 respectively effectively over the past two seasons. So we have seen some growth there. As far as as long as playmaking, you know, ability and potential, his long in his three-year career was a 52-yard reception. Now, we may have seen consistency from a statistical standpoint, but as far as PFF's grades go, we saw legitimate growth year after year, which is also very important. You want to see players who continue to get better. And your hope is that they will continue that trend as they make their way to the NFL. It usually shows that they are working on their craft. They are developing their skills. They are getting bigger, faster, stronger. And those are things that you're hoping are going to carry over and continue as they make their way as their rookie year, sophomore year, you know, et cetera, in the NFL. So in PFF, or per PFF, in 2020, he had a 71.0 grade on 564 snaps. 
In 2021, from it went from 71 to 80.6 on 776 snaps. And then this past year, in 2022, he received a 92.5 grade on 748 snaps. So from 71 to 80.6 to 92.5. So consistency on statistics, but his overall grade continued to go up over all three seasons at Notre Dame. And noteworthy here is he played 2,088 career snaps at Notre Dame, which is really, really nice. A little bit more wear and tear on the body, but nothing that you're overly concerned about. That's not a ton even for a college level prospect. And you love to see that he actually, again, not only got better, but he was able to play for all three seasons, come in and immediately contribute, which by the way, are is what NFL teams are going to be expecting out of him in his first year in the NFL is that he's going to be able to come in and contribute right away, just like he did as a freshman in college. In 2022, PFF gave him a 91.6 passer receiving grade, which is huge for a tight end. In 2022, they gave him an 82.1 run blocking grade, which is really, really good. And his pass blocking grade was a little bit down in 2022, but he showed in 2020 and in 2021 that he could still get the job done in that category as well with 73.7 and 71.1 grades uh, respectively in those two seasons as a pass protector. So he showed a little bit of everything throughout his college career. All right, so enough about the stats, enough about the grades. Let's go and dig deeper into the actual scouting report for Michael Mayer. As far as positives go, this might sound as a negative to start, but he's not as fast as your Luke Musgrave. He's not as big as Musgrave. He's not as big, or I should say tall as Musgrave, or as, as big as Darnell Washington. You know, He's not as good of a blocker as Washington. He's not as good as, of a separator as Dalton Kincaid. Like every other tight end is going to have a better thing that they do than Michael Mayer. That being said, he is good at just about everything. He is the most well-rounded tight end prospect of this group. And as mentioned, somebody that I think if you told me one of these players is really able to come in and make a legitimate impact from day one, not sure that I would bet against Michael Mayer as that distinction because he has shown it throughout his college career. He has a lot of things going for him and he can do a little bit of everything. So most well-rounded tight end in the group, that might not sound like the sexiest thing. You might want the fastest, you want, might want the biggest, the best blocker. You might want the best at something. I get that. We talk all, all the time about some of the best players in the NFL are the ones that have a legitimate like superpower, right? Like something that they just do so inherently well. They're like, man, he's, he's the best at doing that thing. And again, I don't think that Mayer has that, but being good at just about everything is a skill in and of itself. And that's what Mayer is really going to bring to the table. He may not end up being elite at any one thing, but I don't necessarily think he's going to be bad at any one thing either. And again, that is extremely valuable, especially at a inline tight end position. And that's the next thing here is that he is an inline tight end. He's not only an inline tight end. We talked about this a little bit with Darnell Washington is that these players are just tougher to find. You can usually find your bigger wide receiver types, your Mike Kosicki's and Evan Ingram's and some of those, David Njoku's, et cetera, that can be your receiving tight ends, but it's harder to find your overall inline tight ends. And it's even harder, and we discussed this with Darnell Washington as well, to find one that can play in line and and have legitimate receiving chops. And Michael Mayer has that. He can play in line and he can give you immediately, you know, immediate wide receiver, not wide receiver, but receiving chops and actually be able to help you as a receiver at that position. So those are really tough players to find. And again, it's matchup stuff. As you look at this as a defensive coordinator, you have to consider Mayer as both a extra blocker as well as an extra receiver. And that's 
that's the goal of a, a real true tight end is you want that mismatch piece. You want defenses to be a little bit confused because if you want just receiving like, all right, well, we'll just put three or four wide receivers out there. And if you want just blocking, all right, we can throw a lot of blocking tight ends or maybe a couple extra offensive linemen out there. That's fine. But what you're trying to do with a tight end is deceive the offense or the defense and the defensive coordinator. You're trying to say like, hey, that guy right there, you don't know if we're using him as a legitimate blocker. You don't know if we're using him as a legitimate receiver. And if they can do both, it brings a ton of value to the team. And Mayer can do both, which is huge. Uh, He has fantastic hands. He did have 12 drops in three seasons, which is a little bit surprising. But as I watched him, I thought he had some of the softest hands. We're not talking moisturizer here. We're talking like just legitimately balls dropping nicely into his hands. And, you know, he is making fantastic catches. He's making contested catches. He's plucking the ball out of the air. I thought that he had some of the best hands at the tight end position, not only in this class, but I would have put it up there with some of the other tight ends that I've scouted over the last, I don't know, decade or so, whatever it's been. So again, he has had some drops show up here and there, but overall, as I watch him, I think his hands are fantastic. And I think those drops are going to continue to go down and get eliminated as he becomes a better, more well-rounded, even more well-rounded tight end in the NFL. And the other thing I mentioned here too, and this a little bit later, but I do think that it's very possible that with NFL caliber quarterbacks, he's going to be a much better player. He didn't have great quarterbacks at Notre Dame. And I think that affected some of his upside a little bit. Now, some of that gets diminished by the fact that you're now going up against NFL safeties and linebackers and, you know, those type of players as well. But I do think, you know, just having a little bit more accuracy, a little bit more touch, those sort of things is going to go a long way for Mayer as well. I do see, and I don't say this lightly, but also don't take it too far. I do see some Travis Kelsey to his game. I do see a little wiggle uh, in it. It's the subtleties with Mayer. If you watch him on tape, there, if, or if you just go out and watch like a highlight video, there's some things that you might not pick up on, but there's just some little subtleties, some little things in his movement, some little things on how he gets away from a defender, some little ways that he you know, separates in the red zone. There's some little things there that I really like about his game. And those are the differences sometimes between a really good tight end, your Jason Wittens, your Travis Kelsey's, your Antonio Gates's, and just kind of your, you know, high talented tight ends that don't ultimately evolve into too much. And there, there's a couple routes that, especially up the seam, that I watch him and I'm like, that that's a little, there's a little Travis Kelsey to that. He is not Travis Kelsey. Let me just say that right now. He is not Travis Kelsey, but you see a little bit of the wiggle, a little bit of the shiftiness, the size, the movement that Travis Kelsey displays. So it's not fully there, but you see a couple hints here and there that just make you kind of wonder and say, all right, that, that, that's just a little bit different. That's a little high-end tight end stuff that makes me a little bit more geeked out about Michael Mayer than if you're just kind of, again, not maybe paying you know super close attention or not looking at some of the details. He just has some of that subtlety to his game, very much like a Travis Kelsey does. Uh, I love his balance. I think he's able to stay. Um, he will get a, a little bit overextended on his routes. You'll see a slip here and there. But overall, as a blocker and as like a tight end in some of those contested catch situations, he stays pretty strong and he is pretty balanced. So uh, overall, I graded him out well there. I, I think he probably has the highest floor of this tight end group. He has a knack for finding holes in zones. And that can be extremely important as more and more teams go to heavy zone coverage. He finds this, you know, unique way to just sort of settle down and find sneaky ways to get open in zone defense, which I absolutely love. And overall, like I said, he's just a very well-rounded tight end and there's there's very few things to poke negatives in, but we're going to do that anyway. So let's get into some of the negatives. I will say, 
I have the fewest negatives of any prospect that I've gone over so far in any of these draft breakdowns. I have really four things that I think are worth, worth noting here. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com A is that while he is in the 75th percentile of athletes at tight end since, you know, Kent Lee Platty's been tracking the numbers and since the combine took over and we have all the information, I don't think you see an elite athlete either AA on the testing, you're not talking about this 80th, 90th, you know, 100th percentile athlete, these crazy high-end athletes. We don't see that. And I think that translates over to the tape. I don't think there's anything that you watch with Mayer where you're just like, holy crap, did you just see that? Like with Darnell Washington, like you will see some wow crap, right? There's going to be a couple freak things here and there that you're just like, that's not normal. That You don't see that on Sundays more often than that or Saturdays. Um, like with, uh, you know, Musgrave, you're going to see somebody that is able to fly up the seam and do some special things even after the catch with that speed. Like there's other, you know, with all these tight ends, you're going to say something. And I, I don't necessarily know that you see that with Mayer. There's not any one thing athletically that, you know, he's not quick, you know, like super change of direction-y. He's not quick out of his breaks. He's not explosive. He's not like, he's not like the first one off the line of scrimmage. Again, there's not that one superpower that you can point to and just say, ah, there it is. That's what's going to make him really, really good in the NFL. His one thing is that he's kind of, like I said, good at everything. Uh, his route running is inconsistent. I love some of the subtlety. I love his balance. I love that he can, you know, do a pretty decent job of getting in and out of his breaks. I love that he can uncover in zone coverage. There's some things that he does well. I mentioned some of those Travis Kelsey movements that I'm geeking out over, but 
there are some inconsistencies there too. And a lot of times his route running is a little bit more plotting. It's not super separate It's not, these are all very technical scouting terms, uh, but you just don't necessarily see that, again, that explosive ability or his ability to separate just using his route running skills. And that's something that he's going to have to continue to approve upon, upon the NFL level. By the way, and I've mentioned this before, every wide receiver, every tight end breakdown that we're ever going to do, we're going to talk about, you know, route running and, and releases need to become more consistent in the NFL. But some are more than others. Your Chris Olave's in the past and uh, you know Jackson Smith and Jigba, they have less to work on, right? But uh, Michael Mayer, definitely somebody who's going to have to continue to work on his route running ability. And I would say his separation is not ideal. And while it's great that he can make those contested catches, in the NFL, you don't want to get in the habit of having contested catch situations. You want to find guys that can separate, get open, and give your quarterback easy throws. And this is going to be somebody that who can uncover in zone, but in man-to-man coverage situations, he's going to have to work on that route running because he doesn't have that explosive trait to separate. I do love his, uh, like I said, some of those subtleties and some of those little things that he does to get open, but he's going to have to continue to work on that so he can give his, his quarterback an easier target, especially in the red zone. And the other thing I'll say here is I think his high-end play is really, really fun, but you go and you watch a few games on all 22 and you just, you're like kind of going through it and you're kind of going through and going through and you're like, man, it's been, you know, 10, 15 plays and like there's you know 20 plays and Michael Mayer hasn't done anything. And you just kind of lose track of him at times. And in, in, Sometimes that's an okay thing, depending on your position. But on like a tight end, at more of like a playmaking position, like you want to see him do something that you're like, oh yeah, I'll mark that. I'll mark that down. He separated really well here. He had a really nice block. And a lot of times, just kind of like, yeah, there's not really anything there. You know, like he didn't really do anything to help. He didn't really get beat. He's just kind of there. And that's sort of some of the meh that's there with Michael Mayer's game. Like I said, there's a lot of things that he does well. There's nothing he really does bad. But sometimes it's just kind of eh. He's there. I, I can see him out there and he's not doing anything bad, but like, you know, it's kind of the old, like the meme of like, Hey, do something. Like you just kind of want a little bit more. You're left wanting a little bit more when you're watching him from time to time. And again, you look at the numbers, you look at the PFF grades, you look at some of the stuff that he does really well. He's going to help your football team. There's no question about that. But I do think again, at times you're just wanting a little bit more based on the prospect and the profile that he has and his three years as a starter at Notre Dame. You're just waiting for him to like you do realize how good you can be and just like go out and start tearing things up a little bit more. That that would be ideal. And then the last thing is just playmaking and run after the catch. I talk about it all the time. This is a, a sport now that is very heavily playmaking centered. You need guys that can get the ball, run after the catch, make plays. And while I do think, as I mentioned, you see a little Travis Kelsey here and there, you see some run after the catch, you'll see him break a couple tackles. Overall, is not somebody, again, that's super fast, not super strong, not going to break a ton of tackles, not going to do a ton after the catch. Like some of the playmaking is there and he's going to be a really nice red zone threat for you. But overall, it's not a high end playmaker and that's okay. Not everyone has to be, but if that's what you're looking for, then may or may not be your, may or may not be, may or may not be your specific cup of tea. All right. As far as how he would fit in Green Bay, he is literally a perfect inline prospect fit for Matt LaFleur's offense. And I would literally say that he is a better tight end day one than Robert Tunyon ever was in Green Bay. And that's somebody who really loved Robert Tunyon and myself. But I think he becomes, you know, that guy. He's a better blocker, better receiver, better weapon overall than Tunyon ever was, even in his, what, 10, 12 touchdown season, whatever it was. Uh, I think Mayer can fit very, very well and be a better version of that, like I said, immediately. 
His ceiling to me is Jason Witten, maybe even a better blocking Jason Witten. Uh, I think that is his high end ceiling. His floor is probably like a Hayden Hurst where you like, ah, all right, I got kind of like an okay number two tight end, but that's nothing I'm super excited about. And he probably goes somewhere or where else on his second contract. And then my comp would be more of like a better blocking Hunter Henry, where like when Hunt Henry has been healthy and when he's been able to, you know, play at his high end peak levels, like he looks really, really good. But at other times, like he'll go a whole season and you're like, did Hunter Henry even like play this season? Like, oh, he had like 45 catches for 500 yards and four touchdowns. Awesome. Like, what does that do for me? It's good, I guess. But like, you know, so I think that's where I kind of come down on Michael Mayer a little bit. The peaks are high. The valleys aren't very low, but it's just kind of like, oh, he's a good player. I like having him on the team. Is he going to be like this, you know, game changer for you? I'm not sure. There's some signs there, as I mentioned, but uh, I want to see a little bit more of it. And I think that's the question that teams are going to have to grapple with is, am I getting just a, a good tight end, which is really nice to have, but is, is just a really good tight end worth a, you know, top 15, top 20 pick. And that is why I said the other day when I went over Darnell Washington, I'm so excited to see how NFL teams value these tight ends and how, uh, what order they go off the board. Are you going to value a Washington, a Mayer, a Kincaid, a Musgrave, a Laporta? Like these are going to be really interesting questions and I can't wait to see on draft day, day one, day two, how they come um, or how they go off the draft board and, you know, who gets picked first, who gets picked second. And then at, you know, where do they get valued? I think it's going to be really, really, really interesting. As far as what he brings to Green Bay, he's going to be there. He would be their tight end one, day one. He'd be a great inline tight end, a legitimate tight end target for Jordan Love, which we know is a huge need at this point a versatile piece who can block, who can catch, give you a little bit of everything, a nice red zone option, and a well-rounded tight end who can help and start from day one. Is the value there at 15? I would say no. I think that's a little bit steep. I know some people will mock him there. I know some people are maybe hoping for that. I, To me, again, that, that's just a little bit steep for a, a top 15 pick. They move down in round one or they move up in round two. Again, I've said this for almost every tight end. I'll probably say it again tomorrow when we go over a couple more. That's might be the sweet spot. But I do think Green Bay is a little bit in almost like tight end no man's land where 15 is probably too rich for any of these guys. But like by the time they pick again at what, 45, 46, 45, whatever it is, um, by the time they pick again at that spot, like literally all the next five tight ends might be gone. So like they, it's going to be very interesting to see how Green Bay sort of navigates that entire situation. I think your hope is that like one of them's just there at 45, whatever it is. And then, you know, they can just get one there, but they could have a higher player on their board at that point too. So these are going to be all things that are really, really interesting in this draft. Would Green Bay do it? Uh, in early in the draft, I don't think so. I don't think any of these tight ends are going to ultimately be in play at pick 15, especially uh, Michael Mayer, who does not have that elite athleticism, which is something that Green Bay is usually, um, you know, through the roof over. He also doesn't play a premium position, which Green Bay usually, you know, very, very much values. Um, and while I do think it's possible, like if, if you said Green Bay pick 15, Michael Mayer, I would be like, oh, okay. Like it, it makes some sense. I just don't think it's super likely. As I've said with all the tight ends so far, and we'll continue to say, I really like Michael Mayer. I think he's going to be a good player in the NFL. I think he would fit extremely well in Matt LaFleur's offense. I'm just not sure he makes sense where Green Bay picks right now. Now, if they move around, down, up, et cetera, then you're up in round two, down in round one, I think there's a legitimate chance that he could be in play for them. But at 15 and 46, I, I think that's going to be a little bit of a, a tougher selling point, uh, just where Mayer's gone by 46 and he's not, the value's not there at 15. But will be very interesting. I'm excited to see what Green Bay ultimately does at tight end. I do think they are going to end up potentially with multiple tight ends in this draft. It just depends where they value them and where they ultimately end up picking them. 
Thanks so much for joining me today. I will be right back here tomorrow. My goal right now is to have two more tight end prospects for you tomorrow uh, in Luke Musgrave and Dalton Kincaid. So make sure not to miss that episode. Subscribe if you haven't already. But until next time, and as always, Go Pack Go.